Hello and welcome to the first episode of Alika Hope and Change in April 2022. I am Alika Hope. And I am her ever-loving brother, Change, also known as Emil. And I got something for you, sis, right off the bat. Oh my goodness. Y'all don't know what he's going to say. Go ahead, Emil. What? What brings May showers? Wait, May flowers. April showers. No, that was it. No, no, that was it. No, that was it. Oh! Because we're in April and we're getting rain. Like, in the D.C. area, it is a very Oregon day. It's a very Portland day. It's a very Seattle day. And so I'm like... These are the true April showers, man. I got you. I thought you were going to say like, what, what are April, what, are, uh, what brings May flowers? And I was going to say April showers and you're going to be like, nah, her husband, but never mind. Okay. <laughs> that would have been good. So y'all don't know. Been, that would have been dad quality. So I couldn't have said that. <laughs> Well, we have an aunt named May. So for those of you that aren't family that are listening. Um, so it made sense in my head. But then I was like, wait, the listeners may not know who May is. May no. is our aunt. She's awesome. Yes, yeah, she is. Shout out to Auntie May and Uncle <laughs> JL. So Uncle JL, you need to bring your wife some flowers now because we just talked about it on the podcast. Um, yeah. So how has your week been, Emil? It was good. In fact... I'm super excited. A project that I've been working on for the last couple of years is beginning to gel. Now, can you tell us anything about it or what? Well, you know, I'm a writer and you know, I released my book a few years ago. And so in the spirit of renewal that spring has to offer, Mm -hmm. I updated the book into a second edition and I Mm -hmm. added a workbook. And all Mm -hmm. of that is at the printer. No, it's actually in UPS right now being shipped here. So it's left the printer. It left the printer. It left the printer a few days ago and Mm -hmm. they did a bang up job. I already got my physical proofs and I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is as good as I envisioned it in my head. Isn't that awesome when things happen as good as you envision them in your head? Because sometimes, you know, those of us that are dreamers and anyone who is fathered by Samuel Bryant is a dreamer. We are, we, we are Samuel Bryant's children and we are dreamers. And it's wonderful when we, you know, we have these visions in our head, these dreams, and, and when they actually come to pass due to hard work and perseverance, don't get me wrong. It's not like, you know, the, the, the good witch of Wizard of Oz just dropped these true dreams in our laps. But when the dreams come to pass as they've been envisioned, it's the most beautiful, like total, I don't know, just because you chills, right? It, it, excuse me, it totally does. And here's one of the things that um, this process has illuminated for me. Yes. You can't deny a vision if it's, if you let it be strong enough. So I'm going to say it that way. You let it be strong enough because a lot of times mm-hmm. we'll have a vision. We'll think mm-hmm. it's too hard, too complex, too far away, too big, too complex, too many moving parts, too many people need to be involved, too much money Mm -hmm. needs to be spent. We'll come up with all these reasons not to hold the vision. Yep. But if you do hold the vision and you take, and this is the the concept that I'm using in this part of my life, which is a brand new concept for me, which sounds crazy because I'm a planner in Uh from the military. Yep. Hold the big vision, 
take the next step. And don't worry Ooh. about the how in between. There's That's not crazy. That's perfect. Oh, it's scary for somebody who used to plan every step in contingency from soup to nuts. Mm-hmm. Right? All that's the way to the cheese point. platter. Right. And I think that there's probably people that are listening that are like that, that plan everything. And then when something doesn't go as planned, it kind of... Um, well, for you, like when everything was planned and something didn't go as planned, how did you feel? Not now, but in the past, before you started letting go more. So it it would be... I would get into this loop, right? Mm-hmm. And the loop was the I go through all the what ifs, and then when yeah. one of the what ifs happened, or if a scenario that I didn't plan for happened that was not the thing that I was trying to achieve, then I would go into a loop and, and go down the pa- the rabbit hole of all mm-hmm. the different things that that consequence would then trigger, right? Mm-hmm. So there's an old saying in um, planning engineering, every solution creates a new problem, right? Yeah, well, that's, so, yeah. Yeah, it, so there's this, there's always this so it's sort of this endless thing. So all you're really trying to do is iterate all of those problem solution sets until you get to the thing that you really want. And then mm-hmm. all the other things sort of dissipate. They go away. And as long as you don't kill anybody or hurt anything or break anything or you don't or you spend way too much money or you take way too much time, you're good. In the military, we grade on effectiveness, not efficiency. If you get it done, mm-hmm. everyone's happy. It doesn't matter if it costs a little too much. Definitely, right. rarely did it cost too little. But if you right. got it done, you won because like effectiveness matters. And yes, there's some point of this, especially in the later days where efficiency matters. But really, so all those little iterations that I would be stuck in all those loops, as long as I got it done, it would just Mm -hmm. go away. But now as a civilian where efficiency matters as much as effectiveness, I have to be much more conscientious. But as I've been more and more faithful about these visions and holding them and not saying, making excuses for them not to come to pass, the less I've been concerned about the how and the more I've been concerned about what's the next step that I can do. That's all I know. Just the next step. It's interesting because as an artist, I was just, in fact, I was just talking with somebody yesterday about this. I was talking with a, uh, somebody in a theater company and, you know, she and I were talking about how as a teaching artist for myself, especially when I'm working with young people or actually even elderly people, um, those two ends of the spectrum, I'm much more about the process and what I'm, what I've seen over the years, I can't say learning because it's more of what I've observed over the years is that, that we have very much taught humans, and maybe it's a cultural thing too, like a society thing, to value the product. And so I'll go in and people will be like, oh, so when's the performance? And I'm like, well, actually, this is about the process because it's in the process of creating art that you learn so much about yourself and the world around you. And the performance is nice too. There's, yeah, there's a space for performance, but I was thinking about myself and like, when I do theater, always since I was little, my favorite part is rehearsal. I love rehearsal. And I realize like, I love the process because rehearsal is all about the process. It's all about discovery, trying new things, trying your lines different ways, singing things differently. I live for rehearsal. And for me, that's why the whole Zoom life for those, you know, well, up until recently 
was horrible because the rehearsal was missing. It wasn't the same, you know? Yeah, you can yeah. sing on Zoom and give a speech on Zoom, but the process of rehearsing with people and, and just like, you know, the interactive, like trying things differently, trying it again, having revelations was totally missing during COVID. And it was very hard for, at least for someone like me, who's very process oriented. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to see in 2022 as, as things are becoming more open again, that those of us that are very process oriented are able to like be in the process again. And I think especially like the process, social process, right? Whether it's one person or 50, it's still, that was very much um, held back uh, for the past two and a half years or so, um, in my experience. Your, your process um, orientation is something mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, I want you, when we come back from break, I want you to sort of talk about it a little bit, because as we get into our topic today, one of the things that um, that process. My dogs like the process too. Excuse me. Go I, they ahead. Do. Mm -hmm. They do. They they yeah. they just cosign. Yeah. There's this <laughs> element of the process where it's like, what are you seeing? Why are you seeing it? And what do you do mm -hmm. about it now that you've seen it? Mm. Okay. We'll be right back from break. by Lawrence V. White. All right, we are back from break. And Emil, can you remind us of what you what the question was that you wanted me to answer about process? Yeah, so when you're in process, you make these observations and you mm -hmm. get some feedback, but then you have the next step, which is what do you do with the information that that what's the What's the next step, if you will, with the information, the feedback from the process gives you? Ooh, man, that's a hard one because I think there's so, as you were talking, I was thinking about two different types of people. There's the people who kind of just sit in process and all they do is process and there's never any outcome. Um, and those are the people who are always like kind of, I guess maybe the dreamers, but never taking action. Um, and that's definitely not where I sit. Just, just to clarify, cause I think you can, just like you can over produce, you can over process. Um, so I think for me, usually actually, Emil, you know, I've never been asked this question. I'm just thinking about it. Actually, usually for me, there's some kind of end goal that already exists, whether I make it like, for example, I want to have a podcast, right? right? And then, and then I kind of dwell in the process of making that podcast happen or even in rehearsal i might be rehearsing for a production of macbeth but i know in the end we're doing a production of macbeth but for me the process is like all the discoveries along the way so i think that the next step in the process kind of happens organically because i do tend to look at the big picture and have the end goal in sight i mean it's even as much as to be you know blunt here and probably somebody can relate to this is when I wanted to have kids, I was like, okay, so the end goal is a healthy child. That means right now I got to stop having caffeine. I got to oh, stop, you know, all these yeah. things, right? I mean, I so even So you were looking even... at the beginning domino. Right. To see the how end. the end falls. So you're like, right. if this end is going to fall, I need to push the domino yes. down here. Correct. So, so the, the theme of our show today is, you know what they say, but has it changed me? So there's all these mm -hmm. cliches out here, right? Yep. And so process is one of those, you know, 
trust the process is a cliche we hear a lot, right? <laughs> Which is right. where I was going, right? Yeah. Trust the pro- do you trust the process? And mm-hmm. sometimes you do trust the process and sometimes the process reveals things that you you have to make a decision with. That's right. right. And um, this is that yeah. moment in time where you're like, do I trust the process or do I intervene? In the case of having children, you were like, you know what the process is to make a baby, but right. to prepare for making a baby, mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. are things that you had to consciously decide. Yes. And also, I think, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but at the time that I wanted to have kids, I was actually director of education for a prenatal company. <laughs> so unfortunately, I knew so much science about, about you know, um, embryonic development that I was like, oh, before I even get pregnant, I have to stop having sugarless gum. I was very extreme because I knew too much. And so that's not always, I mean... That was great. My kids were healthy, but like, you know, you could see how sometimes when you know too much, you want to just step away. So part of the process actually was not doing that work when I was pregnant, because when you're when you're steeped in prenatal development and you're pregnant, you could imagine that you could traumatize yourself, you know, with a lot of scary things. I think that is a great example of curiosity killed the cat. (laughs) Yes, that's saying curiosity killed the cat. You know what? When I was talking with you about like sayings that people have, at first I was like, I hate that saying, curiosity killed the cat. But actually you just now in like two seconds totally flipped the script on me on that. And you're right because sometimes, and I'm really curious, sometimes too much curiosity can kill the cat, can it? And I would never usually say that. You know, like I love magic. And what I don't want, I know there's a trick. There's a way that I've been deceived. I want to be deceived. So don't show me, yes. unless it's a really old trick or really you know, right. cheesy, I want the illusion. I like the illusion. Yes. I recognize yes. that the illusion isn't real, but I also recognize that the way that they created the illusion is as yes. fascinating to me as the illusion itself. I want the mystery. You know what? That's a generational thing, too. Because my kids and their friends, they whenever they see something, they're like, oh, we could tell you how that happens. I'm like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And so, you know what? That's a that's a, a side effect of Google. Because I think Google's great. You know, it's been very helpful. But it's taken away the mystery. Like, y- you have to actually tell people, I don't want to know the answer to that magic trick. Because now they'll just go on YouTube or they'll go on Google and there's like how they did X, Y, Z. And it's like, where's the mystery? Where you know, so certain things I think need some mystery. They like -hmm. if you know everything, our brains are designed to create a little mystery, right? This is sort of the joy of the human mind, is it fills in gaps when it thinks there's a pattern. So that can be very dangerous in certain certain respects. And Mm -hmm. I recognize those times as someone who dealt with life and death situations frequently in his career. I recognize the time when I have to be concrete, real, and no. But when I want to be mystified, yeah, right, I want to be able to walk into a theater and know that David Copperfield or or, uh, what's his name, Um, the the guy who does the um, Chris Chris Angel, Chris Angel, yeah, oh Chris Angel, mind freak, right? I like those guys at that level of you know Mm -hmm. illusion and mastery. More power mm-hmm. to them. I intend to be deceived in that way. And That's I want right. to be I odd. Like and then when yep. I walk out, I want to go, wow, that was amazing. And I actually want to say, how did they do that without answering it? Mm-hmm. And speaking of how did they do that, 
what about cheaters never win? You know, that's saying cheaters never win. I'm kind of like, well, actually, that's part of the problem with a lot of things in society is that the cheaters keep winning. (laughs) But then I thought, but here's the thing. We could change the definition of winning. So, yes, you know, like maybe Bernie Madoff won because he got however many billions or hundreds of millions of dollars cheating people. But did he really win in his soul? Yeah, he he would answer from prison, no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And and I'm going and I'm going there right now. Right. Okay, go there. Cheaters Mm -hmm. never win because their definition of winning and my definition of winning are different. Part of the reason you said it earlier, but part of the reason why I do things a certain way is because it's the way to do things. Cheating is a circumvention of the way. I recognize that lots of people intend to cheat. In fact, there are classes in some of our finest business schools where they're teaching mm-hmm. you how to get around tax law, get around. If I were to make billions of dollars, I'd mm-hmm. happily pay my taxes. Would I reduce my tax bill? Of course I would. But would I mm-hmm. cheat? No. Why? Because I recognize that my climb to the top included using the resources that taxes pay for. So I expect to pay taxes in order to maintain those resources for the next generation. All I do is win, 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 no matter what, what, what. I don't even know who's saying that or rap that. Anyway, um, what about early to bed, early to rise? That's not something that makes some so-and-so healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's the rest of it. Early to bed, early to rise. Yeah, it makes a, it makes a man or an individual okay. healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's a Benjamin okay. Franklin. So um, here's, here's, here's how we let's, – let's slightly reinterpret that. Okay. Let's make early relative mm-hmm. because for some of us who worked, let's say, on Broadway mm-hmm. – we might not have been able to wake up at the crack of dawn since our show ended at the crack of dawn. Mm, okay. So early so how is How would relative. you change it? Uh-huh. I would say relatively early to bed, relatively <laughs> early to rise. Because <laughs> when, so when I was in the military, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. wake up was normal. But right. when I became a civilian, eight o'clock wake up was normal. There was nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. So early's relative, relative to the situation you're in. What's really important is get enough rest yeah. so that you your mind is clear. And that's something we don't talk about enough in our society is the value of actual rest and sleep. A hundred and fifty percent. And that's, you know, something that we could talk about for days on end. Um rest is so important and we're not getting it. And there's so many reasons, you know, behind that. Um, but I want to give you a response, my take on the early to bed, early to rise, but we're going to do it after we come back from the break. We'll be right back. Interlude music by Lawrence V. White. We are back. And as I promised, I wanted to say something about their early to bed, early to rise. Now, I remember reading this, but I don't have a, a source to, to quote for you guys. But that when you go to bed earlier, it helps with like melatonin production and stuff. Something about like trying to be in bed when it's dark and be up when it's light is actually really healthy. 
And so I'm just wondering if, you know, Benjamin Franklin um, knew that kind of stuff. Um, even not, not obviously maybe like scientifically so much, but just as being a keen observer. Um, cause I think you're right that, that it's relative, but I also think that in an ideal world, people should be going to sleep, uh, you know, at a decent time and getting up relatively early because of the biology and evolution of humankind. Absolutely. So let's, let's be very clear. Our brains yeah. have adapted to electric lights, but our bodies haven't like that that's exactly right what about right. this the customer is always right no oh. no <laughs> no no yeah. no i have worked <laughs> customer service no the customer is not always right i know this is not the popular opinion i've worked customer service and customers are often dead wrong now how i deal with a wrong customer to make them feel welcome and to make them, and I will disagree <laughs> respectfully, but no, no. Because okay. right now, I there's too many customers that I either have or have been where I'm yes. like, uh-uh. You do not entertain this nonsense. Jamie, since you were manager of like a music store in the past, and I'm sure yeah. other things, what do you feel about that saying, the customer is always right? I have a saying. <laughs> Just for such an occasion. The customer is always right, but the customer is not always correct. Ooh. Think explain. about that. Yeah, I like that. that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is subjective. Okay. Correct is not okay. subjective. Two mm -hmm. plus two equals five is not correct. <laughs> now someone might think that's right <laughs> but it's not correct do you see the difference i right? do What's right can be interpreted <laughs> right is an opinion right is a feeling it's an emotion people get attached to emotions so it's very hard to unattach them from their emotions and their beliefs that they believe they're right now are they correct are you acting correct are you handling this correctly is okay. really the way to think about it to look at it if you run into a situation where you feel like you were wronged, again, yeah. an yeah. opinion, <laughs> mm. but were, were you treated correctly or incorrectly right. based upon, you know, societal rules, based upon, you know, etiquette, based upon those things that make these institutions work? The customer is you know, always right. You were a good manager. You were a good. Correct. You were a really good. Manager. I was going to say because when you say that the customer is always right, it tells your employees treat them a certain way, even if they're incorrect. And so that that I would guess would help with good customer service because someone mm -hmm. in their head could be like, "Oh my gosh, you are so wrong," but I'm going to treat you like you're right, even though you're incorrect. Yes, um, but that that's the difference because right can be interpreted right. however you want. <laughs> mm -hmm. It can be interpreted. Mm -hmm. Well, I was right in yelling at you. You know, was that correct? You know, the, the, the person, the person who I, I heard a, a, you know, the tale of the person pulling up to the McDonald's and they're out of chicken McNuggets, so they call nine one one. You know, you've heard that story. I'm yes. sure you've heard it. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, that is an emergency if you're high. I mean, I get it. Is. <laughs> No comment. Okay. Is, the, is, is the customer right? Are they right to be upset? 
that they're out the of right chicken nuggets. They're right to be nuggets. upset. Bingo. Okay. Exactly. Which the is right why you can't upset. say that you're not right because mm-hmm. now you're messing with emotions. Now you're messing with that person's feeling that mm-hmm. they were wronged. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. did they act correctly? Did they Does have this to call 911? Does this warrant a call to 911? Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Right. That's we don't not want correct. to alienate the customer, but we have to let mm-hmm. them know that things work a certain way. That's what's correct and not correct. Right. A car key only works a certain way, the, the correct mm-hmm. way or the not correct way. Whether it's right or not is not the point. I, I put it in right. Did you put it in correctly? Ex- see what see, you got. You got the difference. That's the difference. And, you know, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Is love really blind? You know the saying, love is blind? Is um, it? So yes and no. And, and I, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this. It's okay. such a lovely way. When my okay. children were born, love was completely off the charts blind. It was okay. like they when they popped out and I saw them, it didn't matter. I was just happy they were out and alive right. and, and they were re- like I was just proud papa. Right. Yep. But uh oh. There were moments in my life where <laughs> being blind in love was mm-hmm. detrimental to my mental and emotional and spiritual health. So okay. I'm not from the school that love is blind. I'm from the school that perhaps if you treat me properly, consistently, mm-hmm. my vision gets more and more nearsighted. So I hear you on this. I think this is tricky because like, Love is blind, meaning you're you, when you love someone, you're blind to their minor offenses that are just there or not offenses like their minor quirks. That might be a good thing. Sure. Like you, you as you love someone, you just like their quirks, whatever, you know, they burp after they eat, whatever. I don't know. Whatever it is, that's really not that big of a deal. But you love them nonetheless is the love is blind. But then I'm thinking about love is blind could also be taken like, girl, I don't know what she sees in him. Don't she know that he plays her? Because look, love is blind, girl. You know what I'm saying? Love is blind. That's the yes and no. That's the yes and no. Yep. If you're being treated properly in a relationship. Now, I'm not talking. Of course, everyone's got, you know, know, socks. Maybe you wear your socks a couple days too long or whatever. Right. Right. Like, yeah, those little idiosyncrasies are, in my opinion, irrelevant. And if they are relevant to you. Speak on it so that you can get it dealt with and, and perhaps right. continue a relationship if you want it. But the other or be side with, of go that, with a different person who wears clean socks. Anyway, go ahead. Mm-hmm. There it is. <laughs> on the other side, there yes. are things that you should not be blind to, i.e. Right. If you expect someone to be monogamous and they're not being and your friends right. are trying to tell you, you need to be like, are my friends sabotaging my life or are they giving me a warning that I need to heed? Giving you some vision, giving you vision so that you're not so blind by love. And I'm going to give you this last one and you tell me what you think. Everybody needs eight glasses of water a day. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Look, uh, our we society hear that all the time, is so, underhydrated. Yeah. In fact, yep. if, if you read enough literature, you'll find out mm-hmm. that just being properly hydrated hydrated 
regulates so many body functions. It's not That's even right. funny. And people are like, That's I don't right. want to use the bathroom that much. Meanwhile, their kidneys aren't working properly. Their blood <laughs> pressure's up. Their skin's not clearing up. And they wonder why. And if they would just drink enough water, a lot of these symptoms of underhydration mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. magically disappear. And let me just add this to the eight glasses of water a day, because I say this to people and they're like, really? And I guess people don't know. I only know so much about water because I've been a singer my whole life. And I, there's times I've drunk a gallon a day because that's what my voice needed. But let me tell you this. If you're one of those people coffee who loves caffeine caffeine is a diuretic so there's no problem if you're drinking coffee and stuff i love coffee too but the eight glasses a day is not taking into effect or into account if you drink a lot of coffee and you're diluting the water that you need right even though coffee has water if you have a lot of caffeine you should probably have more than eight glasses of water a day and yeah you'll be in the bathroom a lot but it's important water matters y'all that's our theme for today you know what they say, water matters. I'm not telling a joke at the end today because I told one at the beginning that I made up on the spot. So y'all are free from the dad jokes today only. Go drink some I will, water. I will take this get out of jail free card. <laughs> All right. I expect everybody today at the end of this episode, which is right now to go have a glass of water and have a wonderful day. Bye y'all. <laughs> <laughs> If you enjoyed what you heard today on Alika Hope and Change, please head over to iTunes to rate the show and leave a review. It's really the best way for you to show your support for the show. And bonus, it costs you zero dollars. Join the conversation on Instagram, share this episode with your friends on social media, or just tell others by word of mouth. Thank you and keep sharing hope and change.